0: section three of the rover volume one number two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the rover volume one number two edited by seba smith and Lawrence labrie section three the widower by thomas haines bailey were i damon daffodil to announce my intention of writing the memoirs of my bachelor days the reading public would be on the tiptoe of expectation eager to trace the flirtations of un joli garçon while half the pretty women would be on their exquisite marrow bones entreating to be omitted in the long list of my conquests but i am no traitor to the fair or as it is very justly called the weaker sex true it is that i have detailed the happy hours of my unmarried life not in black and white but on pink paper with blue ink but the manuscript is carefully folded, sealed, and tied with white satin ribboned and it is not to be made public for a century at least. I therefore skip my many hairbreadths scapes and proceed at once to the day when I so far committed myself as to stand irrevocably on the brink of matrimony. My chosen was not so pretty as I could have wished being tall thin and angular nor did she turn out so amiable as i had thought her being vain opinionative and dictatorial but at the period of which i speak everything was couleur de rose so much so indeed that i never detected she was a blue we married and as my wedding-day was one of weeping to many fair damsels who shall at present be nameless i of course anticipated perpetual smiles and sunshine on the part of mrs daffodil but mrs d s serenity only lasted just so long as she was the one person thought of looked at and attended to in society and not being exactly the fairest of the fair nor the brightest of the bright there were moments when others and when it must be owned i myself ventured to praise other beauties and to listen to the silver accents of other lips then it was that rebecca daffodil would boil with indignation and talk at others and praise herself until i began to wish that some more deserving individual had properly appreciated her and snatched her from the offer which i had rather precipitately made as is the custom in all civilized societies her portrait was to be painted and nominally presented to her husband that is to say i was to pay for it and then i was to see less of it than anybody else for it was to be sent to the exhibition and then to be hung up not in my own room for nobody would have seen it there but in the drawing-room i pitied the poor artist from my soul he began and indeed very nearly finished a very admirable likeness but in an unlucky hour he permitted rebecca to peep at his performance i never shall forget her that day as long as i live have you seen my portrait love said she to me at dinner yes dear and what do you think of it cried she admirable i never saw a better likeness you are jesting no indeed i replied as i said to mr tintums it really was like looking at yourself he told me you said so but i could not believe it until i heard it from your own lips why i showed it to fifteen highly talented people this very day and they said it was abominable having first been told by you that you did not relish its being thought like nonsense sir look at the lines it makes me forty at least well becky dear but you know you are thirty-seven hold your tongue mr daffodil i'm aware that i'm married an old bachelor fifty but humph to the point my dear your picture well it's condemned st said to-day that he could not blame mr tintums for that i ought to be painted in rainbow tints oh ah that accounts for it and though raven hair and dark eyes may be painted it is not easy to give the hyacinthine gloss to the one nor the emanation of the poetic mind to the other yes yes i see in fact it is not possible to give to my portrait the delicacy and beauty of the original clearly money thrown away then said i still you know added my wife that bright circle of which i am the brilliant centre expect to see me on canvas and the attempt must be made it has been made he must try again had my poor mother been alive this might have passed for her i said no more and rebecca like an old hen went on sitting and sitting until an oval production was exhibited to the public as like her as it was like me an oval frame was then procured and the picture was suspended i suspended my judgment because thinking it young and beautiful i could not conscientiously say it resembled becky but my wife's literary friends all found out some defect some eye nose mouth or chin not good enough for the corresponding feature in her face and lovely as they all declared it to be they unanimously said or insinuated that it was less lovely than the original in the spring of eighteen twenty becky and i agreed to travel we had resolved to visit guernsey and jersey and then to proceed to st malo or some other port on the coast of france we embarked in a large and commodious steam-packet having engaged a small private cabin and away we went from the tower stairs full of eager hopes and anticipations as long as we were in calm water in the river but all qualms and wretchedness as soon as the motion of the vessel indicated that we were off the north foreland we paddled on however whether we liked it or not and got within sight of dover when contrary winds that terrified even our captain obliged us to put back and anchor in the downs oh the misery of the day that we spent rocking and rolling and pitching to and fro without advancing one inch on our voyage i was very ill myself and as for becky i really thought she would have died but she didn't at least not then our cabin was a mere cell and the misery of it during the time that we were anchorites is not to be described but somehow poor becky and i never agreed so well in our lives by being both seasick to a humiliating extent we were connected by a reciprocity of feeling that had never existed before in the pauses of our indisposition we looked wistfully at one another, and sympathy was kindled in our bosoms. Besides, there is nothing like habit, it reconciles us to anything and anybody, and wretched as I was in the little cupboard where we were immured, I felt that I should have been more wretched had I been deprived of the society of my wife and her little dog Snap. Snap was as seasick as ourselves, and never shall I forget Becky's answer when a rough sailor said how your dog be cadding marm i think there was a contradiction in the phrase it is truly said that after a storm comes a calm and so it did but then again after the calm came another storm and so we went on and we were blown hither and thither until our paddles were broken our coals exhausted and our provisions as low as our spirits not that i and becky cared about provisions but the crew did and while the captain and mate walked the deck and consulted what was best to be done i and my mate watched them in silence like unhappy criminals expecting every moment to hear a sentence of death pronounced upon them our vessel had been christened the duck but so battered and forlorn was her condition that i could not help asking myself the old question can a duck swim i confess i began to have my misgivings the sea was rough the clouds were dark and our captain evidently did not know exactly where we were by no means a cheering situation but worn out with watching weariness and want of food becky and i undressed ourselves and retired to a very little bed which was spread upon a sort of shelf in our cabin i am morally convinced it never could have been intended to accommodate two but in such an hour we were not to be separated and we both soon fell asleep all of a sudden the ship struck upon something with a concussion so violent that i who had placed myself on the outer extremity of the shelf was thrown out of bed upon the floor of the cabin becky i believe slept on i cannot say positively i am not sure for in the hurry of the moment without thinking of her poor thing i snatched with my right hand a box containing on my valuables and seizing my small clothes with my left i rushed upon deck in a state of nudity and anxiety to see what was the matter and i found that our vessel the duck had run foul of another vessel and was filling fast and going to the bottom the two vessels became entangled for a minute or two and it was just possible to step from the smaller one into the bigger and the safer i instantly took the step and found myself standing on the deck of a strange vessel surrounded by gentlemen and ladies i had never seen before and i just as i had left my pillow with my box in one hand and my small clothes in the other i rushed to a secluded corner to put on the latter and then paid my respects to the captain politely requesting him to accommodate mrs daffodil as well as myself it was a dreadful moment for a husband there are tragedies in real life too painful to be detailed in a narrative too heart-rending to be represented on the stage such was mine the captain congratulated me on my own escape but as for my beloved wife and the duck that bore her of which in the darkness he had obtained but a glimpse it appeared to be the general opinion that she was a wreck and gone to the bottom what a horrid phrase for a husband to hear i believe i fainted and continued for many hours in a state of insensibility the next day i went on deck and eagerly looked around for the duck nay for a fragment of that vessel a hand-coop with becky astride upon it waving her nightcap to attract attention but no i saw nothing but what people call the waste of waters illuminated by the rising sun i was yielding sadly to the combined effects of grief and seasickness when it occurred to me to inquire in what i was sailing and whither we were going the ship was the hope bound for the east indies the east indies impossible i assured captain higgins that i could not think of accompanying him but he smiled and inquired whether a voyage with him was not preferable to being drowned i will not dwell on my sensations and sufferings for months i walked the deck looking on becky's winding sheet a sheet of water or peeping over the side of the vessel into the depths below at the horrible water wagtails which had perhaps devoured her it was so awkward to be made extemporaneously a widower no funeral no tombstone no body buried anywhere for as to what people call a watery grave it amounts to my thinking to no grave at all and then the sea has such an awkward way of throwing it up again one can never feel quite sure poor becky i pictured to myself no coffin and not a rag of a shroud stretched upon an oyster-bed where at least there was no want of a shell all this was very shocking she was as one of the sailors unfeelingly observed in my hearing food for fishes and it was a very long time before i could reconcile myself to the flavor of souls or turbo i even loathed lobsters i who used to be so partial to them another thing that vexed me was the impossibility of paying proper respect to the defunct and wearing mourning becky had all the weeds to herself seaweeds alas and i walked about in a borrowed blue jacket and duck trousers my only mourning for the duck and her precious passenger my voyage continued unprosperous what could be expected after such a beginning and it was two months beyond the usual time allotted for a voyage that i landed at madras oh that landing shall i ever forget it in such a boat and amid such a surf every moment i expected to be reunited to my becky but my better angel presided and i was snatched from the danger that impended i am not going to dwell upon the events which occurred in the east nor my motives for remaining there much longer than i intended i was now a single man no ties united me to my native country i mused myself very agreeably and two years had elapsed before i revisited the land of my fathers my voyage home was pleasant enough there was a nice lady on board and a dear dark interesting girl her daughter we became intimate and suffice it to say that when we landed i was all but a happy man we went to the same hotel and the very next night before i had communicated with my man of business or made known my arrival to my friends i accompanied my fair friends to drury lane theatre where a young lady was to make her first appearance we occupied a private box and engrossed by the interest of the scene and with my right hand locked in that of the beautiful anna maria i gave myself up to enjoyment and almost forgot that there was any one else in the house except our three selves toward the end of the fifth act however there resounded a shrill scream from an opposite box and raising my eyes i saw was it possible no it could not be yet it was it was becky gazing wildly at me and resting on the shoulder of an exceedingly tall dark-whiskered gentleman i screamed too and then becky screamed again and the debutante on the stage encouraged by her apparent success screamed also falling on her knees and scratching away at the boards with her nails to dig up Jaffer, but without any digging on my part and without the aid of any scratch unless it was the old one there stood becky alive before me and to end so horrible an uncertainty i ran round the house and entered her private box it was becky and by her side was the irish gentleman captain o diddle of Kilbally curmudgeon castle in the county Clare, who was to be united to my wealthy widow on the following monday i was sorry for him very sorry and for myself more sorry and for anna maria and her mother and becky too it was unpleasant for all parties however my late wife and i were soon established in our old residence and she once more became the brilliant centre of a bright circle the duck though very much damaged had kept afloat until her crew and passengers were rescued by a steamer on her way to dublin becky supposing i had fallen overboard mourned a decent time in that capital and then went to killarney and the giant's causeway and other celebrated places in the emerald isle and made the acquaintance of captain o'diddle she never recovered the shock which shock it is impossible for me to say my loss or my sudden reappearance at the end of two years she grew nervous and having no particular complaint she employed a new popular doctor who cured every imaginable disease after a fashion of his own mrs daffodil died i never felt so awkward in my life i'd gone through all the grief which was to be expected on such an occasion already and could not do it all over again besides months ago i had made up my mind to her loss i however went into the deepest mourning for that was still due to her and i attended the funeral so that now there can be no mistake and i am justified in positively stating that the remains of mrs daffodil are deposited in churchyard beneath a very handsome large and weighty monument which has been erected to her memory By her disconsolate husband. End of section three.